Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. you are with us at Camp Easter Ridge. Uh, it's been a great week, and before we head out and uh, just send everybody back, we want to have a little bit of time to understand what this Easter celebration is really all about. I want to go back and, and pick up the story on that very first yeah. Easter morning. So I'm going to read a little bit of the story from John chapter 20, and uh, just imagine yourself there first day when Jesus finished the work that God sent him to do. Here's the story from John chapter 20. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen laying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the lift. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. But they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Let me pray for us as we start. God, I just pray that as we are in this place, on the day that you changed the history of creation forever. God, that we can just understand that our eyes will be open, that our hearts will be softened to the glorious work you accomplished and the grace that you poured out on your children. God, be with us in this moment and may you be pleased by all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We've been talking all week at the camp about being thirsty. And, and I wonder if we have understood what it meant to be thirsty for God. And, and, and I want to propose that God was even thirsty for us. What am I talking about? Well, if we unpack the story, there was so much new that was happening. The next part of the story says that Mary Magdalene uh, was coming to the tomb and she was surprised because she thought she was going there for a funeral to anoint a dead body. But it turns out she showed up just in time for a birthday party. What she thought was the end was actually the beginning of something brand new. I heard a story about a group of children. The teacher sent them out on an assignment. They were talking about Easter, and they were all supposed to go get something that represented the newness of what God was doing. And so the children went out, and they were playing in the yard and grabbing different things, and they all had uh, Easter eggs, right? That's what we often think of with Easter is Easter eggs. But besides the bunny rabbit, there's actually some symbolism to the Easter egg. 
that the Easter egg is, is the symbol of new birth. And so the kids go out and they get these little items and one kid brought back some grass and show the egg and here's the grass and it represents brand new growth and then everybody clapped. And then another kid said, well, here is a rock and it shows that the rock is our foundation like Jesus is and everybody clapped. And another one called a little animal, some little caterpillar or butterfly and opened it up and said, this is because God created all life and everybody clapped. And then little Philip came up and it was his turn and he opened up his egg and it was empty. And everybody kind of snickered. They said, Philip didn't do it right. Philip didn't do the assignment. They were kind of laughing at him. And then Philip stood up and said, you don't understand. I did do the assignment. And the teacher said, well, come up and explain it. And Philip walked up and said, my egg is empty. Because so is the tomb. Amen. I just did something we don't often get. It's the tomb that shows us that the newness of what God promised is true. I want to unpack that a little bit. Let me let me go back. I want to get us a running start into the story. I want us to go back to right before this uh, incredible event and look at Jesus on the cross. And there were several things that Jesus is known for saying in his last few moments. And, and so he's on the cross He's about to die. He has been whipped and scourged and betrayed and beaten and, and had thorns shoved in his head. He's been through incredible torture and pain and isolation. And at the end of the journey, John records this in chapter 19. He says, Jesus, knowing that all was now completed so that the scripture would be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. Now, don't miss this because they offered Jesus something to drink earlier on and it had some pain medicine in it to kind of numb the pain of being crucified and he turned it down. And the Bible made it very clear that Jesus could have gotten out of this whole mess anytime he wanted to. So he wasn't there by force, he was there by choice. And so Jesus had allowed himself to be nailed, he allowed himself to be beaten, he allowed himself to go through all of these accusations, and the Bible said he never opened his mouth once to defend himself. So isn't it odd that after going through all of this without saying a word, all of a sudden he decides, I'm thirsty. That struck me as odd. So I, I wanted to look into it a little bit more. And, and absolutely it's true that Jesus could have been physically thirsty from his ordeal. But as I look at this, I think his thirst wasn't really for him. His thirst was for us. He was thirsty for us. What does that mean? Think about Jesus' last few days. His last few hours. He had been through incredible suffering. His body was wrapped with pain. He had been, uh, again, beaten and abused and, and, and physically mistreated and, and flogged, had to carry his own cross up a mountaintop. His body was exhausted to the point, I can imagine, he felt like he couldn't take one more step. As a matter of fact, someone had to help him carry his cross. He was physically exhausted. You ever been just physically worn out? My wife says I snore when I get really tired. And she recorded me. I thought it was quite rude, actually. <laughs> but sometimes, when you're just physically exhausted, 
You feel like you can't go on and you're just drained. But, but, but not only did he have the physical, he, he, he had the mental and emotional I mean, everybody that he had counted on left him. Every friend that he asked to be with him and pray him and support him scattered him and left him all alone. People who pledged that they would be with him forever and ever turned their back on him and acted like they didn't even know who he was. You ever had anybody turn their back on you and leave you feeling lonely? and isolated, the people you thought would care for you the most left you almost as if we're dead. It's worn out. But not only that, not only was it physical, not only was it mental and emotional, not only were all of his relationships broken and stretched, but he was spiritually exhausted. The Bible says that Jesus and God are one, one mind, one spirit, one heart. But it says when he took on the weight of all the sin of the world, by definition, he had to be separate from the Father because the Father can't be near sin. So when Jesus took on sin, that means for the first time in his existence, since before the beginning of time, he was separated from his Father. You ever felt like God left you alone? Abandoned, doesn't see what you're going through. Jesus had all of these circumstances weighing down on him at one point, and this was his cross that he chose to bear. And we all have our own cross. The Bible says that we're supposed to pick up our cross every day and carry it. He also said that if he suffered, we will suffer. In this life, we will have trouble and turmoil, and the weight of the world can make us confused and lost and feel overwhelmed by our circumstances. Some of us have the cross of health. We've had chronic disease and chronic illnesses and just one thing after another. It seems like no matter what we do, there's always another obstacle that is just wearing us down. Our body cannot take anymore, it seems like. It just doesn't function like we want it to. And that's our cross. Some of us have relational crosses. Some of us have very difficult relationships, strained relationships with our parents, with our children, with brothers and sisters. Some of us have our crosses laying in our bed. Some of us are sitting next to our crosses right now. Don't look at them. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but you know that sometimes... Those relational crosses can be hard to bear. And we say, oh, Lord, when will you deliver me? And he says, not yet. <laughs> be patient. <laughs> Sometimes our crosses are spiritual. And we get in a place of darkness and depression and sadness and emotional weight makes us feel like we are far from God. We remember the days when we were intimate and close to God and we could pray and talk, but it seems like it's been so long that we used to be in a land flowing with milk and honey, and now we seem to be in a dry desert place. And we don't even know how to get back. And our cross is more than we can bear. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you and when Jesus says, I am thirsty, he was thirsting not for his cross, but for ours. 
He was thirsty because he was taking on all of the pain, all of the brokenness, all of the sin, all of the conflict, all of the turmoil, all of the weight of this world that is trying to destroy us. And he says, I will put it on my shoulders and I will carry their burdens and I will deliver them back into the arms of my father forever. And not the devil, not the enemy, not anything that comes against them in heaven or on earth or below the earth can affect my plans for my children. I have done the work that they may be redeemed. He was thirsty for us. He was pouring out his life that nothing could hinder you being restored and brought back in relationship with God. And so, and so understanding that he had all of this all of this weight on his shoulders and, and he's crying out, speaking, speaking the words of people that have been praying for a savior, a deliverer, a healer, a redeemer, a restorer to come. And he says, yes, I can carry the weight of the world and bring my people home. Now, he said that. He said that on the cross. But, but here, here is the next part of the story that what he then says after he, after he confessed the burden that he was carrying, he looks up to heaven, knowing that this is the moment that he had lived for, and he says, it was finished. What was finished? What, what, what was finished? Well, his time on earth was finished. He, he died. And it seemed like he had lost. See, the cross is an instrument of death. And so if the Savior who was coming into the world had died, that would be a, a win for the enemy. So why would he say that it's finished? Because once he said it is finished, he is, he is confessing that the work that he had been sent to earth to do was now done. There would be no more work for anyone to do to restore us back to God. See, it is finished. If you unpack it in the original language, what it means is that it means that, that the work that my master, if you were a servant and the master had sent you off to do a task and you had gone and done the task, you would come back to the master and say, I did all of it. It is finished. There is no more work left for me to do. But the real, the real context where it was used maybe most relevantly for us is that when you owe somebody some money, and you had a debt, you had some accounts outstanding, and you were working and struggling, and you're trying to pay it back, you're trying to make ends meet, and you finally make the last payment, and you say, don't call me no more, I paid you back, it is finished. And the definitive relief, which, which there is no more outstanding debt to be collected, everything that was outstanding is paid in full. And so when Jesus says it is finished, he's talking about the weight and the payment and the debt of sin that we owe. And so when he says it is finished, he says, I know every sin you've done. I know every sin you're going to do. I know the ones that you say, the ones that you think, and every one of those, by the blood of Jesus, has been redeemed and wiped off your tab. Thank you, Jesus. It, it says that you are presented as a pure, perfect, white, shining, glorious offering before God. God sees you and says, oh, that is my perfect child. Not because you're so great, not because I've got it together, but because the blood of Jesus covers us from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, and you are redeemed by our Savior. It is 
story about a young man who really wanted to live out his, his new faith. And so he was seeking the wisest man he could find. He found this great uh, Christian sage and teacher and professor. He said, uh, what can I do? I, I, I understand that Jesus is my Savior. I understand that, that, that his, his grace covered it all, and, and I want to be saved. What do I got to do? And the professor looked at him and said, uh, you can't do anything. Turn around and walk away from me. I heard the guy say it. So he chased him down. What do you mean? I understand Jesus. I, 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 I want to figure out what do I do? What's my next step? How, how, do, how do I make this thing really right? And he says, there's nothing you can do that's already been done. You can't add one inch, one bit to the work that Jesus completed on the cross. So when he said it's finished, when it's done, your account is paid, that means you are free from the stuff that's been bonded. You are free from the issues of the world. You are free from the snares and the traps of the enemy. You have been set free because Jesus declared it. Now here's the point that really matters. He still died. <laughs> so if you say it's done and then you die, I'm not sure you were right. Because it ends with death. It ends with the cross. It ends with the devil looking like he had the last word. And so that's why this is so important. That's why that empty Easter egg is so critical. Because then we get to the third day. See, if the story stops with the cross... The Bible says that if, if our faith is resting in, in Jesus and Jesus hasn't been resurrected, then we are the most miserable people on the planet. Our faith is useless and we are still covered in our sins. It's only if the tomb was empty that we are free and redeemed by the blood of God. So, 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 so this is the third day. And Mary wakes up early in the morning and she's got this jar of spices and oils and she's going to bury or anoint the body of Jesus. And it's been set up. He's in a tomb. He's wrapped up tight in linen. He's a mummy. They put a big old stone in front of it. And they got a guard whose life depends on nobody getting into that tomb or he's going to get killed. That was Friday night. And so Mary shows up Sunday morning knowing where Jesus is going to be. Positive that he is going to be in that tomb. But we, she gets there and, and nobody's around. The guard is gone. This big stone is rolled over away. And there's nobody inside the tomb. And she is confused. What does it mean? You, what does it mean today that Jesus didn't stay in the grave? Does it still matter? Does it still excite us? 
does it still give us a reason to understand that every day I'm above ground, my Savior today is alive, that Jesus is still in the miracle business, that he's still saving and redeeming and healing and restoring and, and knocking down obstacles that the enemy puts in front of me and moving people who are against me out of my way, that he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And every day he gives me as a gift of life, I can live in the fullness of the freedom that I've got from my Savior. Does it still mean anything today? Or are we just used to the story? Have we gotten complicit with the fact that God said, I will lay every enemy at my feet. And that I will take the hurt and the loss and the broken heart and the people that this world will throw away and say are irrelevant and say have issues. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's those people. Pick <laughs> your those. You got your own those. It's those people. The people who don't dress right. The people who don't talk right. The people whose lifestyle I don't like. The, the kids that are doing things I shouldn't be doing. The, the, the grown folks that aren't setting the right example. The people that have all this chaos and, and in their marriages and don't talk. All the stuff that we care about is those people that I don't like. But Jesus says, the ones that you call those people, those are my people. I came for the first I came for the culture. I came for the ones that are suffering. I came for the ones that are stressed out and overwhelmed and beat down. I came for those that are sick and know they need a doctor and a healer and that their circumstances are too big for them to handle. They need a God who can step in and not tell them how big their problems are, but tell them how big their God is. And it's a God who says, every enemy that you face, including death, the last enemy of death, you need to have no fear. You have no problem because I finished the work. And if you call on the name of Jesus, you are covered by the blood of Jesus. He promised he will be your healer and your sustainer, and he will carry you, and no arrows or slings of the enemy can harm you. You will be able to stand bold and say, bring it on, devil, because the God that I serve has in the palm of his hands, and it doesn't matter if the gates of hell are against me. I am more than a conqueror by the blood of Jesus. That's what the empty tomb means. And so here's the deal. I don't know what your cross is. What your burden is. I don't know what your pain is, but I know this. The cross wasn't the end of Jesus' story, so that means the cross is not the end of your story. The same resurrection power that brought him back, that opened up possibilities, that shut the devil aside, that same power is available for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating today. It's not just a Sunday, it's that this day, all more than we can dream or imagine. And so Mary gets to the tomb and she's overwhelmed. She's shocked. She doesn't see Jesus. She doesn't know where he is. And I love what happens next. Two angels show up and they said, what are you crying about? Don't you understand? This is not the time for tears. You're looking for somebody whose story ended with death. But he's not here. He 
is risen. As they used to say, he's risen with all power in his hands. On the third day, there was no more controversy. There's no more question. Jesus has the keys to the kingdom. We spend so much time trying to manufacture a solution for our situation. Trying to manipulate, if I could get more jobs or more money or, or, or better friends or, or better circle of influence or, or, or more clout, more stature. If I could get a different husband or wife, again, don't look at them. If I could have a different situation, if my circumstances were so different, then I could be happy, I could be free. But can I tell you, brothers and sisters, we have a God-sized hole in our pocket. And we can spend all of our time trying to find something else to put in there to make our life meaningful, to make our life purposeful, to make our life significant, to make sense out of this crazy world that we're in. But I can I tell you, Jesus is the only one who's It's Jesus. And we're going door to door trying to unlock all these things and manipulate and figure it out. But can I tell you, the only one who has the keys for your happiness and your purpose and your joy in life, Jesus is holding the keys to the kingdom. And he so desperately wants to give it to us. He so desperately wants us to live into the fullness of the joy that he has given away for free. And it's not about our intelligence, it's not about our good looks, it's not about any of our accolades and accomplishments. It's because Jesus alone said, I took Areas of life that cause us to be thirsty 
We think we're thirsting for things. We're thirsting for God. He said, I will lead you to springs of living water that will never run dry. And here's the part I love. Even when we are hurt and broken, it says that God himself will wipe away every tear from your eye. Oh, brothers and sisters, we are victorious. If the Christ was dead, if the empty tomb was victory, we should be doing victory laps in the name of Jesus. When the enemy tries to come to the attic, we remember, but the tomb was empty, devil, and I am more than a conqueror because my God has me a conqueror. So as we come to this table of grace, I'd like you to think about the reality of the resurrection. Think about your greatest obstacle. Think about the biggest challenge in your life. Have you allowed that circumstance to so weigh you down that you forget that the cross is not your final destination? And it may feel like Friday, Sunday is coming. So God calls us to remember. Remember my gift, remember my sacrifice, remember my journey, and remember that nothing can pluck you from the Father's hand. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church. Located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.